And now, for your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, PNR with This Old Marketing. Take it away, boys. Well, hello, content marketers. I'm Robert Rose, and welcome to episode number 53 of PNR's This Old Marketing, recorded on Monday, November 17th, 2014. Well, life is full of weird dichotomies, isn't it? It's sometimes tough to know what's important. We spent last week mostly talking about hashtag break the internet and Kim Kardashian's butt, while we actually landed a spaceship on a comet 300 million miles away. Johnny Depp drunk at the Hollywood Film Awards is still more entertaining than, well, anything else about the Hollywood Film Awards. And Facebook finally pulled the final rug out from brand pages, and the top story was that Mark Zuckerberg makes a nice video for his wife, and yeah, he wears the same t-shirt every day. So Joe and I are here to help try and bring you what's important. Bring some sense into this weird world, and the good and the bad. Most of all, what's important in the world of content marketing. And of course, we'd love for you to give us a review and tell you, and tell you tell us what's important, the good, the bad, and most of all, what's important. But now it's time for us to get to it for what's important and for me to introduce my partner, my colleague, my good, good friend, the Rosetta spacecraft landing on the comet of content marketing, Mr. Joe Polizzi. How are you, my friend? I'm, you are a Lifetime Achievement Award oh, winner. Thank you very much. That was It was <laughs> super special to have the team up and all coming to new york including you and peter and pam and the whole team it's it was just it was fantastic it was a lot of fun that was a great great night i mean it was it was it was so much fun to see you up there i mean giving just i mean you know giving it it's like you know you were like almost on barbara walters it was like you're not gonna make me cry man well you know it's well you know because i talked to you probably more than anybody because we've been on the road for these workshops uh, I struggled over that speech more than any speech I've ever given. I mean, I get me out there talk about content marketing. I'm good to go. But if I got to talk about myself and my life and the fact, I just thought. Anyways, but you you said that the speech went well, correct? The, the, it went fantastic. Okay. It went fantastic. Oh, there's your drinking game, folks. It went fantastic, um, and uh, you. It was it was very well deserved. A beautiful, wonderful story that you told about how you got started. And the two people really in your life that have truly meant the most to you in terms of your your career, your family life, all that kind of stuff, and, and it's just you know just a just a wonderful way to sort of frame where you are right now. I mean, you know, look, let's, let's be honest, you're you're not you're not on the downside of anything. A lifetime achievement award is a little weird. This is but, the no, yeah. this is the retirement show. We're, we're <laughs> yeah. I'm right? announcing my official retirement from content marketing. You know? That's what so, well, that's what I said. I said I'd rather get the rising star award because at least I'm on my way up. The lifetime achievement, I feel like I'm done. Like what? Hey, by the way, I'm you know I you know I'm I'm pounding the table over there like you know after a couple of glasses of wine. Where's my rising star achievement award, man? I, <laughs> I didn't get. I was like I was like Leo DiCaprio at the Oscars, right? <laughs> you know, you catch me with my little grimace on my face, going, "I want my I want my award." <laughs> I think there's. I think 2015 is your year, my friend. Oh, oh you think? Big, you big think? stuff th- is happening. I think I'm going to be the Susan Lucci of content marketing. Oh, is what my I'm going to be. Which wouldn't be all that bad. I mean, you have hair just like Susan Lucci, so that's there. We go. <laughs> there we go. Anyways, you're you're in. You know, we're doing the, we're recording this a little bit early because you are in uh, Sweden, correct? I am in the lovely Gothenburg, Sweden, which I've not been in before, um, and so far I'm. 
but just really impressed. Other than the fact that it's raining and cold, but it's but it's really uh, just a fantastic it's a beautiful little city. city. It's a beautiful. Yeah, city. I'm really looking forward to getting out and getting out and uh, and seeing it a little bit once uh, once the sun comes up for its whatever it is two and a half hours or something but, that it that it's up this time of year. And you're on very little sleep at all, so this should be a very fun. Yeah, this is going to be show. an interesting. Yeah, this is going to be interesting because I've been up for about twelve hours straight, so it should be it should be all fun right, and entertaining. All right, let's get to it. Why don't we? Let's get to it. The first uh, news item up for bid is. Interestingly, and I kind of mentioned this in the intro, Facebook is changing the feed algorithm once again. Here we go again, Joe. So um, a couple of stories that we're, we're going to put into the show notes here. One from, of course, Facebook themselves, where they announced this uh, change that's coming. And the second from Ars Technica, who wrote a really nice write-up, I think, of what's going to happen here. And basically explaining that Facebook is planning to start deprecating newsfeed posts from brand pages that it sees as, quote-unquote, too professional. And that as Facebook says, these types of posts, they are aggravating to users and users don't want to see them and they look at them as ads. And then, but here's the thing. If you don't think that this is Facebook finally making the the final push to say, because there, there's no way they can distinguish, you know, I mean, you can tell me they have semantic analysis that says they look for stuff like, you know, buy this now, or this is going to be mm-hmm. so cheap you can't get away with it, or discount, 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 or coupons. But you know, quite frankly, they're not going to be looking at that. They're going to be just white labeling all posts from brand pages as promotional content, and they're going to deprecate it all. So this to me is the final, this is the final curtain for, for brand pages as far as I'm concerned. What do you think? Well, I think first, uh, we shouldn't look past the, the fact that people were sharing around Facebook's post on this, which I just thought was interesting, right? I mean, usually when you hear news like this, it's, you know, you're looking at New York Times, Wall Street Journal. We were actually passing around Facebook's announcement on it. I just think that's interesting that the, that the newsmakers are the brands themselves. And so I just wanted to throw that out there. I thought it was interesting. Um, it's <laughs> We've been talking about this forever, so this is sort of right. feels like old news. Yeah, but right. Yeah, I mean, it is now. I mean, they are 100% a media company. Uh, we knew this. Uh, they will curate, and they're doing what a media company should. They they actually need to be looking at their content, what's going to make for the best experience, which equals the best monetary return on the platform. So they're going to get rid of any of the waste. They're targeting brands as being the people that are corrupting their feed. So they're going to say, okay, well, you can't, you know, can't be a part of that. You can pay to play, and we want to add value wherever we can. So sorry about that. But you know what? I, hold on a second, because that the, here's the thing that they say in the post that you're not going to see more promotional posts, and I don't think that's true. I just think you're going to see more promotional posts that are paid for. Then you know, you know what I mean. I don't think the number of ads or promoted posts or or brand page posts are going to go up or down. I think to their point, which they've spun it this way, you're going to see exactly the same number of brand page posts that you saw before. The only difference is, is that the percentage of them that are actually paid for will be higher. But that's not what they're saying. You, but you're they saying, say, well, they're saying I you're not going to see more ads. That's what they but, say. They say that they're going to take away that promotional content, but you will not see any more ads. And we're trying to add to your, no, 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 you're not Right. You're not going to see. So but but if you're if you look at it and maybe I'm twisting words a little too much here, if I read what they're saying, they're basically saying all of the brand pages posts, they did a survey. Their study said that users look at those as ads. 
So they're saying users equate brand page posts as ads. Therefore, we're not going to put any more quote unquote ads out there. We're going to make brands pay for them. So theoretically, in a in a perfect world, the number of promoted pages or promoted posts would go down because they would be removing all of which are uh, considered Promotion. posting for free Promotion. now, right? Yeah. But that's not going to be what's happened is, is that people are going to pay the tax. There will be brands who will pay the tax here. So the number of brand-related pages or posts that you're going to see on Facebook feed, I don't think that's going to go down or up. I think what's going to happen is is just the percentage of them that are actually have checks written to, to have them presented are going to be higher. That could be true. This is not what Facebook is saying. But you could absolutely be reading through the lines correctly between the lines, and we'll see if that happens. I think that I was reading through some of the comments on the secondary. Uh, which one is this one from? The Ars Technica, uh, Ars Technica post. Yeah. So I was reading through it's quite a few comments on there. This is what I did think was interesting. And to your point about what kind of algorithm they and semantic analysis they have set up. But if you, let's say you like a community group, a nonprofit, uh, people that basically they promote a lot. Here's what we're doing. Here's where we're going to be at. Come support us here. Now, do those count as promoted posts? Yes. Like promotional posts? They do. But the... So it's different than than to say that you're GoDaddy and you've got a coupon on hosting. Then you are a community group or a nonprofit and you're really trying... And the people that like you actually want to find out about that stuff. So how, yes, there's, no, I, there's no way that I think they can police this unless they're going to say, look, this is just the big brands that we know and they're going to have to pay. And then I, I don't know how they're going to do it. I think it's, it's right. fun to say that they can parse this out, but I just don't think it's possible. I don't think it is either. I, I certainly don't think it is in any meaningful way. I mean, you know, they can look, they can... They can certainly look for keywords, right? I mean, they can do they can do it off of off of words like couponing and discounts and free and those kinds of things. But quite frankly, that would be easy. That would be so easy to game that they have to not do that, right? They have to actually go the, all the way to the other extreme, which is to do either really sophisticated semantic analysis, which I don't believe is there yet, and the, or they have to just sort of take a broad brush and say we're deprecating all brand posts um, yet again, whether it's down to two percent or one percent or whatever now yeah. you know or zero percent. You know, it's sort of trivial at this point. It's 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 their Facebook is basically saying, yeah, you're going to have to pay to talk to your people. It's going to be interesting. I think that if a lot of I don't know I don't think this is most people, but a lot of people that have liked corporate brand pages want to get information about them. Some of them do actually want to get information. I think that's true. I think that's but you're true. not and going think... to get that. If you want to reach now, even if they like, even if you like a page, you're going to see ads for the most part only. And you're going to see the Kim Kardashian stuff the rest of the time. I think that's true. And I, and, and the one that I, and, and I use this example all the time. I, I worry less about somebody like Coca-Cola or, you know, Red Bull or, you know, GoDaddy or somebody like that. I worry less about them because quite frankly, they can pay for it. Yeah. They and and probably should pay for it. But the ones that are the ones that are annoying are the sort of small and medium I had this conversation just this last week at an event I was at in New York where a woman came up to me and she said, 
I'm just a small business and I spent a lot of money putting this community together because I was promised that this would be a community that I could serve. I could actually use it as instead of my email newsletter. And now I've just watched my organic reach go to zero and I now have to pay for that. It's like, why did I spend all this time and money building this you know, community of 5,000 people on my Facebook page when I'm not allowed to speak with them? You and I, it's, it's, you, you're right. You and I have been talking about this. I think every presentation I've done, I do the don't build your content ship on rented land. And I've yeah. been using Starbucks as the example. Look at Starbucks has 36 million people that have liked their face, face uh, a page on Facebook. How much money did they spend to get that? Millions of dollars at least to get those people to like them. And now they don't even get to communicate with them anymore. Sorry. Yeah. It's, it was exactly. a complete waste of time because you got to buy it anyways. So I, feel, but I do feel bad. But you know that's it's Facebook's prerogative, just like oh, Bob, yeah, just like sure. Bobby Brown. I mean, I'm not... They can do. <laughs> <laughs> Facebook is Bobby Brown. Did you do you just brought Bobby Brown into this whole? I'm thing? sorry, I had to. Every time I, I say prerogative, prerogative. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Anyways. All right. Before we go down that rat hole, um, <laughs> next story is a really fascinating story uh, that comes from Adweek this week. The headline is why traditional media isn't dying and four other myths about the digital era. Uh, and this was, a, this was a really interesting article to me because I disagree with the opening and then agreed with all of – basically all of the myths and what he's sort of dispelling here. Um, this comes from uh, 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 Adweek, as I had mentioned, and the uh, Tom Doctoroff, who is the CEO of J. Walter Thompson, Asia Pacific, and author of uh, Twitter is Not a Strategy, um, wrote the article. And he starts out by saying, we are no longer creative people, we are inventors. Um, and, uh, and then goes on to talk about how this was a statement given by the cyber jury president at the Conline International Festival of Creativity um, four years ago. And he says it couldn't be further from the truth. And I, I don't know that they're mutually exclusive. That's the part I kind of disagree with, yep. the creative people and the inventors part. I'm, I, I, would, I actually like the idea of marketers as inventors, as innovators in the business and creating value. I won't go off on a rant there. But he then goes on to talk about four basic myths. One, that traditional media is dying. Two, the brand idea is anachronism. Uh, three, copywriters are dinosaurs, which might be my favorite myth of the ones he lists. Myth four, big data will save us. And myth five, we're all inventors now, which may be the ones that I actually disagree with him on. So uh, what did you think about these this myths in this article? I think that it shows – I mean I, I, for the most part I would agree. I think that this – that Tom – is it Dr. Tom? Dr. Tom? Is it – for some no, no, reason I think it, he's it, got a PhD or something like that. Yeah, Tom. Tom it's is – Yeah, because well, his, his <laughs> last name is Dr. Off, right? It's like it's like a it's like a science fiction – it's like a science fiction captain or something. I think. Maybe yeah. I got Dr. Who on the braid or something like yeah. that. I like the first one, uh, Myth 1, Traditional Media is Dying, because we know that that's not the case. And I think every time – even you know this whole thing, social media, content marketing, everything has come along. We all feel, oh, the – what what we've done has died and now we're doing something new no that's never been the case it's the same thing as even you know it's funny i just saw a post from seth godin that said 10 years ago i predicted that the radio was going to go away and now absolutely for sure radio is going to go away <laughs> right exactly. because of of spotify because of the and we talk about the growth of podcasts but it's not going to go away it'll make change a little bit 
None of this sure. goes away. TV doesn't go away. None of it goes away. But the one thing I love is it talks about traditional media and everything else that we're doing can't be separate. It needs to be together. And that I agree with 100%. And you and I have seen yeah. this all the time where you and you say it more than anybody about content marketing needs to be infused with everything we do in marketing right. and in the organization instead of a separate group. Traditionally, over the last 50 years, content marketing has been a separate group. It is now more successful today or and also more painful to integrate because we are trying to infuse it into the organization. So I don't think traditional media goes away by any means, but if we can integrate it with all the new stuff we're doing, I think we can make it more powerful. Uh, but what, yeah. what are some of the other ones? I mean, you, you like the copywriters one? Which... I did because, you know, they, this is where we get a lost into a little bit. I mean, he talks about it as, as sort of this balance of, you know, technology and creativity uh, has got to be fused in new ways. Um, and and he, ta- he talks about it, this idea of the, the, the creatives versus the experts of a, on a broader range of media platforms. Um, and so, for example, he says, you know, the, the this idea that, you know, Agencies should be populated with a pair of "quote unquote" conceptual distillers, which I don't really understand what that means. But basically, what he's saying is is that there's this myth right now that copywriters are, are dinosaurs, and where we see that, or where I see that, is sort of this this idea that journalists are coming in and everything's about journalism now, and you've got to write from a journalistic point of view and all that kind of stuff. And I think it go you know from that sort of utility and or helpful and or thought leaders perspective you've got to write from that and i think that's fine i think that's very valuable in where it's appropriate but i think copywriters are often sort of labeled as only able to create headlines and features and benefits when i know copywriters that are unbelievably oh absolutely writer just unbelievably creative and wonderful amazing writers who can create very powerful writing that is separate you know look every copywriter i ever met had a screenplay or a novel in his desk right so they they know how to create content that is powerful and creates value the you know i think copywriters are often pigeonholed into this idea that all they can do is write ad copy and it's it's just not true so i'm glad to see him bring this out especially in uh, an advertising agency guy bring this out as a myth and then the big data will save us all I think that is that. I mean, I go off on rants about that. The idea of you know, marketers aren't good at little data, much less making it any bigger right now. So, you know, the the idea is is that data never closed one customer. Right? Data makes us more efficient, more effective by driving insights out of it. But it is content that drives the value. You know, so it's a it's a. Uh, it, I, I I thought this was a really just it was a great refresher and very well written. I thought. I'm interested to see how the book does actually because. When I saw the name of the book, Twitter is not a strategy, I yeah. thought this was from a few years ago. I have to be honest with you because oh, that's we, we've been yeah. talking, but we've been I talking, too. I mean, I how many too. Ta- we've it- been talking about this, you know, Facebook is not a strategy. Sure. Social is not a social in itself is not a strategy. You know, those types of things. Although if I said social media is not a strategy, Jay Bear would come down on me <laughs> and crush me. Uh, but, but that's, that's what I thought. So it's interesting. This, it'd be interesting to see if this gets play. Because it seems to be a little bit dated. Because his tagline, "Rediscovering the Art of Brand Marketing," I don't get that from the title. I know where I know where uh, Mr. Tom Tom the Doctor is going here, right. but anyways, that's that was my take on it. <laughs> All right, yeah. let's move on, shall let's we? Do it. The next one does talk to t- content marketing quite a bit, and this comes from Sparksheet actually, 
And this is just a really great interview. Um, we talked about this a couple of shows ago about what Marriott was doing with creating an entire media company, um, a content marketing studio, as they're calling it. And this is an interview with the architect of that, the new leader of that group, which his name is, and you'll forgive me if I mispronounce this, David Beebe, uh, B-E-E-B-E. Um, so it's either Beeb or BB, um, one of the two. And it's a wonderful interview with David, who is the VP of Creative and Content Marketing uh, for Marriott. And he talks through how he's going to build this separate global content marketing studio. What do you think, Joe? There's a couple of points in here. I really enjoyed this article. First, I just have to say, so Sparksheet is from our friends at Spafax. Yeah. And this is, so this is a really good example of their own content marketing. So I just yeah. just wanted to throw that out because uh, we often talk about agencies sometimes aren't you know shoemaker shoes right they're not doing their own content marketing. Sparksheet has been around for quite a few years, doing a great job over there. Um, here's what I liked about it: there's a couple statements in here that are really critical. They get, I think they said the seventh largest retail website already, yeah. Marriott.com. And what was interesting about what Mr. BB here is saying is is that they have. 45 million people coming to their website every month, but they haven't activated it, activated it yet for content. So what, he, what he's saying is they actually have the audience, but haven't nurtured that audience around a content marketing approach and taken advantage of that. So that's interesting to me. So I just thought that that was... That that's something that I think a well, lot... Well, it's something, it's something that we hear all the time, right? I mean, we hear it from... You know, not only B two C companies, but B two B companies as well, where they get a lot of traffic to the website. They actually have a lot of flow through traffic. You, you know, maybe some of it's irrelevant, maybe some of it's terribly relevant, but they haven't activated any way to sort of capture that audience and understand who they are, what they care about, and how can we deliver ongoing value. But they've already got people coming, right? It's just they just don't have anything there. This is an, I think that every marketer needs to read this Q&A. I think it's critical because especially talking about the organizational structure. So the way that they're setting up in these three groups, and what are the three groups? One's that they have an internal agency that they're calling it that has the project managers and the content strategists. And then they have this story group, which is really responsible for figuring out some of this creative side and some of the webisodes and whatnot. And then they have a whole real-time marketing group as well. And that's sort of like you're trafficking, you know, looking for conversations, using that data to create better um, value in real time around content. So that was really interesting from a setup. But what I yeah, love I is, mean, I lo- go ahead. I look at that from I look at that from you know from coming where I come from in LA. They've got a they've got a creative studio, they've got a a, a production studio, and they have a news team. I mean, it's they are a media company. They have created a media company. It is it's 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 delightful. And then just look at, they ask the, of course, some of the hard questions on how are you going to measure that? And basically, in my, I'm using this in my own words, and they're saying, if we give our customers and prospects and the people that come to our site enough value on an ongoing basis, they will reward us through commerce, which I That's thought right. was interesting. Now, we don't know that. I mean, of course, Red Bull believes that they've done that, and they there's a lot of talk in here about they're trying to do what Red Bull does and even says it. it says Red Bull is a media company that just happens to sell energy drinks you know we are a travel lifestyle company that just happens to sell hotel rooms that's right so it's that's interesting right. to see uh, see this play i think we should get uh, mr bb to speak at content marketing world is what i'm what i'm thinking 
I, I as long as he's successful. <laughs> Either way, you got to talk about the you got to talk about the challenge. This is a big challenge. Yeah. This is not this is not easy. What did you no, think about the What did you think about the take on um, native advertising? in here. Ding, ding, ding. I think it's really, you know, I, I think it's, I think what he says is really interesting because he's like, you know, he says, look, there's value in working with a Buzzfeed or funny or die or the onion. And, and he said, the interesting thing for him is he says, the difference is traditionally those platforms have come to them to buy media, to buy audience. Right. So they want to, they want to get audience and, and, and they, it's actually quite the river. This, this goes to exactly what we've said about native advertising, that it's the other way around, right? Is what we want to be doing with native advertising is pulling that audience away from the media company. It's, 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 um, it's, it's, I, I think he's right on the money. But this is crit- This is interesting. And this is where a lot goes wrong with native, because if you do a native advertising program, in a lot of cases, the content ends up being owned on the publisher's platform. Of course. This is what Marriott says. He says, we're looking at it a bit differently. It's a co-production. We're looking for co-ownership because we want to own the content. They yeah. want to have the rights to the content. That's where they see value. They want to use that in multiple ways, including synd- they've got a whole division here, it looks like, that's going to syndicate this content. So they're creating all these webisodes, and they've got this whole program on access television and stuff, and they want to then take that and resell it to traditional publishers, and this is the same thing that Red Bull's been doing. The same yeah. Red Bull has a whole division that all they do is they take their their content assets and then they resell those and syndicate those to traditional publishers. Marriott's looking to do the same thing, which I just think is a genius, and I just love yeah. that idea. So I, I, I that's exactly what I'm. Mean, they're 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 looking to own that relationship with that audience, which is the important part, right? It's the that's the Jerry Seinfeld. There's holding. The reservation, <laughs> you know what I mean. There's taking it, and then there's actually holding the reservation. I don't think this you is, understand. Yeah, what right. You it can, needs to hold the right. reservation. You can actually get the audience, and then you can actually hold the audience. <laughs> <laughs> now I got all these Seinfeld jokes in my head, man. Well, speaking of native advertising, our next story is you know is definitely ring the bell, drink your shot, or whatever it is you do when we say native advertising. This comes to us from Business Insider. And it's a study that they're, that they're reporting on that native advertising, I don't think, is any surprise to, to anybody who's been following this. The spending is going to soar. Um, the, uh, the, 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 the article goes on to talk about how uh, this new study from BI Intelligence finds the spending on native advertising is going to reach $7.9 billion this year and grow to, are you ready for this, $21 billion by 2018. Um, so, and this is where, and it started in 2013 from 4.7. So from 4.7 to eight to 21 in the scheme of basically five years, I, you know, I mean, look, I, that may be a little aggressive, but even if it's not even quite that, that's just huge, huge growth. And, and what say you, Mr. Polizzi to the idea of native advertising soaring? Uh, I, I guess I see both sides of it. I agree with this. I mean, I, there's no reason for me not to agree because you and I have common. How many native advertising articles have we covered on this show? It's definitely happening uh, in a lot of cases from what we just Marriott, for example, is in a is in a unique position in a lot of cases where they have so much audience and they haven't activated that audience through through content. Here you have a lot of cases where these brands are trying to buy audience and they're looking for publishers to help them do this. So I think that this is definitely going to come, uh, but I think that we haven't necessarily seen the dark side of this yet. 
I think yeah. there's going to be some issues. There's going to be some issues. There's going to be some pullback. But I think I don't know what it was a couple shows ago where I said that, and I and I love it, and so I'm going to say it again. I think that native advertising is the gateway drug for brands creating content. I think they right. they love it. They love the idea because they get instant readership, instant credibility in a lot of cases, and it gets buy in in an organization where they can actually then say, "Look, maybe there's something to this. Maybe we should do something more formally and commit to this, like Marriott has." So how can I not like? native advertising in that case is because sometimes you run it as a pilot program. Hey, let's try it on this platform, see how it goes. And maybe we should create our own platform. And then that's, I think, how it's going to go. Do you agree with that? I, mean, I do. I do. I, I, I do think it. I, but I, I think what you said in there at the beginning is probably the biggest, the, you know, the sort of the biggest thing in there, which is I think at some point there's going to be a large bump in the road that will stifle that growth. You know, it, 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 something will suck the wind out of this sale of native advertising. And I don't know what it is yet, but there will be something that gets enough coverage where people rethink their approach and sort of redefine it. Some publisher gets really in trouble. So publishers have to pull back on the, you know, the reins a bit here. Some brand gets in real trouble here. So they have to pull back on the reins and, encourage their agencies to do the same some something's going to go woefully wrong for somebody at some point here and it's and and i and i while i think the growth will ultimately get there i i think they're you know like most forecast studies of of market growth i think they're a little they're they're being a little aggressive well i mean but look at the numbers too i mean we we're talking about we often talk about it in the aspect of this is brands creating content that looks like publisher content in line and and, it, and sometimes it almost looks like it's just the brand the media created content so we talk about native a lot in that but the big growth is in social a big course. growth so if you look at this this is where you almost say i'm going to buy stock in facebook and linkedin and well twitter seems to be they're finding that out who they are at this point, but definitely right. Facebook and LinkedIn is going to get the lion's share of this over anything else. Now the other growth, growth on media sites, is still very impressive, but not nearly what you're going to see on social. So, yeah, I'm not near. I'm not nearly smart enough to do these numbers, but it. But what it feels like to me is when I look at this kind of growth, you know, this kind of projected growth, that doesn't come without. Uh, coming from another piece of the pie, right? So I don't think this is can be reflective of just general overall marketing spend growth. I think in order to grow this fast, it's going to have to. It, where's the money coming from, right? Is it coming from print? Is it coming from traditional banners? Is it coming from you know where is it? Where is the money coming from to feed? I think the answer is yes. I yeah, think it's probably, coming you're from probably all, right. coming from you're television, right. coming yeah, broadcast coming from uh, coming from every, a little bit of everything and and print as well. So yeah. I think, you know, where's it? it, it well, we it don't may, see it may, marketing, right. marketing budgets aren't getting exponentially high. You say this all the time, right? <laughs> We're not marketers don't have an abundant amount of time and resources <laughs> right. on their hands at all times. Right. Exactly. So, right. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, speaking of resources and shifting landscapes here, this, the, our final story, well, there's a couple of stories here we paired together and. We'll see how this goes in terms of pairing them together. They both come from ClickZ, and they were both related, and we, we talked about it a little bit in the pre-show. And they're, the, the first one is from our good friend and friend of the CMI for a long time, Mr. Aaron Kahlo, and it, the article talks about real marketers are shifting from social media to content marketing. 
And I think he meant this to be a little more controversial than the article turned out to be. Um, but it, the to me, this was a is a smart article. I think it's right on the money where Aaron is talking about the move from looking at social media. I mean, coming back to your your point about Jay and social media strategy, really looking at how the content comes first and then the channel by, on which it sits on. Which, of course, I have no disagreement with at all. I think that is exactly right. And he talks through that. And then the other article. Um, which we sort of both sent to each other as well, comes from Matthew Sweezy from Pardot, the Salesforce um, marketing automation solution. And this was just a fabulous article, I thought. This was just really, really well written and done. And and hats off to Matthew for, for, for writing this because he talks about the evolution of content marketing, even brings CMI into it, um, talks about how you know CMI had its biggest event ever, talks about the growth, talks about then a flattening uh, of the growth or a, you know, sort of the, as I've said it, you know, sort of we're in the valley of disillusionment of the Gartner hype cycle, if you look at it that way. And he really talks about how getting to the next phase is really going to be about doing it well, right? So the, you know, sort of the hype is over and now it's about doing it, doing it well. Taking these two articles into, into sort of context with each other, what did you, what did you make of this? Well, I thought the Aaron's article is a really good refresher. And now yeah. that I'm looking at it, and we talked about this before. I think, of course, you'd, of course. Yeah, of course. Maybe. <laughs> um, right. I think that you don't just go in, and I think more and more brands that we talk to don't just say, look, what am I going to do on Twitter? What am I going to do on Facebook like they were doing a year and two years ago? I think that right. marketers are getting much smarter than that, and they understand that to figure out what are their goals, what's the story they're trying to tell, and whatnot. And I think that's what this article is saying. Although I have to say that if you look at it sort of talks about the blog or your your content brand as mothership, and then you can publish out to these other social channels. I think we just covered the fact that that might not even be necessary. You might actually have a paid content group that says, okay, here's the content that we're creating, but ultimately that's going to be a paid portion because if we're going to go on Facebook or LinkedIn to get attention, we're going to have to pay for it. So it's just interesting the way that that continues to evolve. What I love about Matthew's take on where content marketing is going, and I ended up commenting on this one because he, he t looks at the Google uh, Trends report of content marketing that had this right. huge run up from 11 to 2014, and he said it's just now it, it's sort of just plateauing a little bit in 2015. And I said, Matthew, totally agree with you. The buzz for the term content marketing, I think, is gone, and now the work is needs to get done, like you just said. Right. We have exactly. to get down to business because still, I think that's where a lot of people think that, oh, co you know, content marketing, been there, done that. Now what are we going to do? You and I are seeing it firsthand. Like now people are actually trying to figure out how to do it. They're stopping talking about it. They have to figure this thing out. And it's incredibly painful, especially in large enterprises. Well, that's exactly right. And we're I just mean, at I the beginning of this thing. So I don't even, yeah. it's fine. The, the term itself can plateau, but the practice area is, wow, we are just getting started in this thing. Well, I think, and in, and in, both, quite frankly, right? You know, the the thing that struck me about this is sort of what's you know what's the reality on the street? You know, when we go out and meet, you know, see these see these brands at workshops, at master classes, in consulting and advisory engagements, what's really going on here? And when I look at the social media side, I think Aaron is right on the money. I think definitely that marketers are looking starting to look at this as a content first story first idea and then figure out how social plays into that 
which is an important thing. But I think in many cases, what's really happening in the business is they're still struggling, right? They're still struggling with the siloed nature of this social team and this social team, quite frankly, don't get along. Or there's a social CRM team that's working on this. And then there's sort of this sales enablement social thing that we have going on over here and all this kind of stuff. And so if we sort of phase that or dovetail that with the other, with, with Matthew's article, I think it's the same thing, right? Just exactly to your point. Now is when the real work begins because what I find so many times, and in fact, I've written a post on this that's going up to celebrate our one year anniversary and all of that that's going up on the blog very soon that talks about how what we see out there is most people at this point have done something in the realm of content marketing and felt good about it, yeah. right? They did a project, they did a beta, they did a pilot project, whatever they call it. They did something that kind of worked. And now the real question is they're looking at each other around the table going, now what? <laughs> now, now what do we do? How do we scale this thing? How do we manage this thing? How do we keep it going? And now is when the real work begins because – and I think 2015 is going to be all about that. It's going to be about how how do we actually – social media channels, how do we actually evolve social out of this into a paid strategy, into something that makes sense for the business, and how do we take more content marketing and not have it be a project but rather be a process that, that is infused into the business. I just remember – I mean, you and I, we've been speaking for a long time. Remember when we were doing speeches in 2007, 2008, and we said, you know, create, your, you know, what what's your mission? What are you trying to, a lot of the same things we're talking about today. But then we say, look, now you've got these outposts like Twitter and Facebook and Google Plus and all that, that you can create and, and distribute content on. And you can create a sub audience on there to create your own audience back at the home base. And now that's not even necessarily true anymore. Because you can't. So it's 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 just interesting how social has evolved so much, and how really social that what we think of as social media, what we think of, not necessarily what is, but what we think of as social media, have become all media companies. Yeah. Well, you know what I've. You know what I was at that. You know that conference I go to every every year uh, in New York, which was fantastic, by the way. Just an awesome, awesome conference. I was in the room with some incredibly smart people. Um, I was not one of them. I, this was a learning. I was not speaking. Oh, I was actually, are. I was don't actually, give enough, give I was actually well, I just don't want to sound like I'm on my throne, but the, the, I, you know, I, I, I basically was learning at this thing and I learned so much because I, I, and I ended up making a comment to somebody outside and I think I'm going to, I may start using it more and more. I think Facebook is truly the broadcast media of our generation, right? I think it's, you know, it's the ABC, NBC, CBS of this next wave. And we're going to look at Facebook and as sort of the, you know, what will be the, you know, and I think LinkedIn, by the way, is the cable TV. So, you know, what will be ultimately the, you know, sort of disruption to Facebook and disruption to LinkedIn and disruption to the other Twitter I don't know yet, but I think it's it's truly turning into a broadcast network. That is I'm I completely agree with you. And I think that whatever the next thing comes along, whatever that will be, I think if we just keep everyone listening to this, if we just keep mindful of the of the fact that those are other people's platforms and we need to look to leverage those, but we don't own those or have control over those in any way, I think we're going to be okay. Yeah. 
I think that's yeah. what really messed everyone up. We said, oh, my God, we have this way of reaching our customers now. And we communicate with them, and it's awesome. And then they took it all away from us. That's exactly right. And which was their that's prerogative right. to do that. So I had to say prerogative that's, again. I'm sorry. That's my prerogative. <laughs> all right. Well, speaking of awesome things that aren't taken away from us, that are actually given to us, our friends at Emma have an amazing gift for everybody who listens to this show. I think it's appropriate that our first episode of, you know, this is episode 53, correct? So this is our first this of is- the new year's cycle. And uh, that's right. So excited that Emma's sponsoring this episode. Email marketing for the modern brand featuring mobile responsive templates, social integration tools, and of course, the concierge services that you and I love so much. Emma is promoting a new report entitled Automation Demystified, a modern marketer's guide to email automation. In it, you'll learn how to create undeniable value for subscribers. That's why I love this because they really focus on how do you pull in subscribers but then keep subscribers? How do you use welcoming tactics and strategies to keep new subscribers and keep them opening your emails without necessarily creating new content. I want to find out about that as well as boosting conversions with timely sends based on life cycle milestones. And you can register for this free report at bitly.com slash PNR dash auto email. That's bitly.com slash PNR dash auto email automation demystified a modern marketer's guide to email automation. Super, super thankful for Emma and all their support. And they are a sponsor of this week's this old marketing. I love that. I, I, and it's such a great download too. I mean, it is, it's, it's truly, and that concierge service. I mean, I mean, I love the, the thing I love about that so much is that it's an experience, right? What they're creating is an experience for customers and to me, that is, you know, it, it's it's differentiating. It really and we is. like so it. We like experiences here at the Soul Marketing. Do. So we do. There we, we go. Do that's our prerogative. Okay, <laughs> um, now it is time for the favorite part of the show. It's time for our rants and raves, where Joe and I go off on a little bit of a rant or a little bit of a rave on something that's got us really bummed out, or something that we just want to show a little love toward, and. Oddly, um, because this feels like it's been kind of a kumbaya show, um, we both have raves today, uh, and I'm going to start since, uh, or no, you're going to start. I'm going to start. I've yeah, got this whole marketing. You, have, you this got week. this whole You're starting. That's right. That's exactly. Right. All right. So, so I'm going so, to so, yes. Let's hear it. I'm going to start with a, a rave. Yes, very rare that we both have raves. I'm going to start with a rave. And hats off and thank you to Ninad Senek, our European editor of Chief Content Officer Magazine, for sending this our way, hot off the presses. We just received it about an hour ago. And this is from The Guardian, Airbnb to launch glossy magazine called Pineapple. And it is, of course, I have to talk about this because how many episodes in the last couple weeks have we talking about we're going to see a revolution back to print? And here we go, larger brand, of course, and, and by the way, very technology savvy, one of the new uh, new products, new brands out there, Airbnb, for those of you that don't know, they're the service where you can go and you can rent your apartment or your house and you can get people to, um, you know, to, to go ahead. It's almost like, uh, what's a good... What's a good uh, comparison to Airbnb? I mean, you're basically just going to put your your uh, your place of residence up for rent for a week or two, and they it's it's a really cool place to do it. You go ahead and send it. You get some money. It's great. They are getting into the world of publishing by launching this glossy magazine, 
and they're highlighting people within their community to do this. So I think they've got stories from London, Seoul, San Francisco being featured in the first edition. And here, the head of brand creative at Airbnb. And I don't think it needs to be – it can go lost that Jonathan Moldenhall is the chief marketing officer there right. now who was chief creative uh, and content over Coca-Cola recently. Of course, uh, he was keynote at last year's Content Marketing World. But Andrew Shapiro, uh, head of brand creative at Airbnb, says, We mapped out the journey. Looked at the experience of Airbnb hosts, guests, and travelers, and they realized the this experience was shared, and a lot of these people had a lot of things in common, and they also wanted to tell the stories around that, and they thought the best way to do this was a print magazine, and it's a very small initial copy run, but it's going to be distributed in the U.S., North America. It's going to hit newsstands on 21st of November in the U.K., which I think is super interesting. Of course, that's a great place to test it out because there's so many brand magazines on the newsstand shelves in the UK. And I think it's going to be started at nine euro. And uh, I, you can buy it directly from the website as well. I'm it's super interested to see if this works out for them. So I just wanted to throw hats off to Airbnb for getting this done. And it's so funny you talk about this as experimental content marketing. But today it is. Everybody's going digital, and here we go. We have a print magazine, so we'll see how this well, one goes. Well, here's what I love so much about this. I mean, this I, when Nanad sent this over, I this was like this is going in. This is going in the workshop. This 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 idea is going in the workshop because first thing I did was I clicked on the link that he sent over, which was to the actual magazine itself, mm-hmm. um, which is basically you know just Airbnb dot com slash pineapple if you want to go look at it. But right at the bottom of that front page, it says, this is a printed magazine where honest stories are told by the unexpected characters of our community. It is a crossroad of travel and anthropology. And I won't read the whole thing, but he, the content mission is right there. That's it. it is, it's right up front. And it's, it, it is sort of everything that we teach in the workshop in, in that, you know, in developing that content mission, that differentiated mission. It's like, it's like he, it's like he went to the class. <laughs> I know that they're well ahead, but they're, and they're really, really smart over there, but it's like they went to the class because that's exactly it. And the other thing is I love how they're in the article, the, the guardian article, he talks about how they're going to test it. Right. So they're not just diving into this. They've story mapped this out where they're, using print to test the waters of this initiative. And then if it goes well, they're going to expand into other channels like mobile and tablet and social and That's all of that other stuff. I know. It's, it's, so so, interesting. it's so great that they're actually, they, 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 they thought story first, what value could, could they create? What channel would they create that value on? Which was for them was print. Now, what is their sort of minimal viable success, right? Sort of in that classic look of developing a new product. They figured that out and they said, that's what's got to succeed first. Then we can go out to the digital channels and make it all. And that's just such a reversal of where we don't, most brands we'd see, they would do the tablet version. And if the tablet version then did well, maybe they'll do a business case for the print magazine and they're doing the exact opposite. I just think it's, it. I could not be gushing more about this. It's just fantastic. Well, you, you and you have another rave too. I know. So this the, is this the, is an odd the, week. We have this way the, too this many is, raves. We're, this, this is, is not going to be a good episode. It's not going to be one of our most downloaded because mm, they're not ranting enough. But I want to hear your rave. It is so snuggly and warm and rainy here. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, this, okay, so mine is a very short rave. I won't go on and on about this. And, and quite, cause quite frankly, it doesn't have a lot to do with content marketing, but, um, as those of you who know me know, uh, I, I'm relatively passionate about storytelling independent of where it comes. And even though this is <clears throat> quite frankly, a very clever advertisement, it is totally worth watching. Um, every year, uh, the UK retailer Sainsbury's uh, does a Christmas ad. And this year they have just, I mean, I just think they've outdone themselves with, with what they've done here. They have, uh, it's the hundred year anniversary of the, what's known as the Christmas truce of 1914, which was world war one when in the trench world warfare that was going on then when, you know, literally trenches were no more than a couple of hundred yards apart from each other, German and, and, uh, and the, and the British, fighting each other in just horrible, horrible, horrible conditions. During Christmas, they started to sing, and all of them started to sing together. And on Christmas Eve, basically, these guys from the British Expeditionary Force, they heard the German troops singing Silent Night, and they started to sing together. And then the next day, they actually declared a Christmas truce, and they they all stood up out of their trenches, they buried their dead, they shook hands, they shared food. They actually took – they played some football together and then, of course, went back to war. And this ad, this Christmas ad from Sainsbury's tells that story. And then, of course, they have other content, the making of it. They've got the story behind it. It's just a delightful way to spend three and a half minutes because it's just it's just wonderful. It says nothing about Sainsbury's, by the way, other than at the very end. But it's just a great, great, great example of storytelling, and I just, I just absolutely adore it. I did. Sometimes I don't get to watch your raves, but I did watch it right before we got on the air here, and it is well worth watching. Very emotional. Yeah. It's touching. I, absolutely. And they've got all what's great about it. They've got behind the scenes and all kinds of stuff, and the making of as well. If you want to dig yeah. into that, so exactly. All right. Well, shall we to this old marketing, our namesake of the show and our first of the new year. First of the year. Exactly. Well, you know, we I didn't realize we covered the 2014 Content Marketing Award of the Year, uh, which was Guitar Center. But we did not cover the 2013 Content Marketing Award winner, which was which is TD Ameritrade's Think Money magazine. Now, if you don't know the history about this, uh, uh, TD Ameritrade bought a company called Thinkorswim. And Think Money magazine was Thinkorswim's publication. And as as often mergers go where a big company swallows up a little company, they usually take all their marketing with it and just swallow it up and it's never to see see it again. But what happened is Think Money, which was produced by – uh, with the help of T3 Publishing, good friends of ours on the West Coast uh, – the magazine was just awesome. I mean, it was just so unique and it was, but just so you know, Think Money is focused on trading advice for, you know, high, high volume traders of equities and futures and whatnot. So these are people that trade for a living all day long. They're on a computer all day. And when Ameritrade bought Thinkorswim, um, they kept it alive and kept it going. And then they started to buy into it. Now they've invested more into it. And they, now they started to get data around it. So what they found out, this is the, the greatest part about it. So this, this print magazine, it is also in electronic form. But most of the people get it in print, in print magazines, direct mail directly to them. Uh, it includes onboard, trader onboarding kits. And it's handed on to education events and trade shows. What they found out, Robert, is that those customers who read Think Money magazine 
end up trading at least five times as much as those that that don't subscribe to the publication. It's just amazing. And they've called called it their best marketing investment. Now, it took them quite a few years to get the data. To get that, so some, that's why it takes patience to get some of that data. But you can believe it that this magazine will not be killed anytime soon because <laughs> it talk about changing behavior. It's fantastically designed content. I'm, I'm a subscriber. I get it. I mean, of course, I'm not a trader, but I love to see this example of it. And uh, this is our this old marketing example of the week: Think Money Magazine from TD Ameritrade. That is just delightful you thought i was going to say fantastic there i know you had your glasses up oh uh, now you and you just said it now we're going to drink to that (laughs) all right well where you where are you at this week what uh what's what's the what's the road trip look like for mr polizzi well you know i'm in town we're having a lot of uh of course you're out of town but we're having a lot of team meetings here in cleveland ohio so we we've got a lot you know of course preparing for 2015 and then the next trip after the holidays after the u.s thanksgiving holiday uh we've got our uh, last master class of the year in San Francisco. So you and I will be out there, but you know, you, you're the one that's, are you doing, are you going home after this trip here to uh, Gothenburg? I am actually, yes, I am. After Gothenburg, I go home and I, other than, uh, other than the San Francisco up, which is of course for me is not like you. It's for me, it's a, almost a commute. So it's just up and down for the evening. Um, and so other than that trip, I'm done for the year. So I'm, I'm super happy about that, and I'm going to have time to really dig into working with the, our wonderful uh, editor who's helping sort of round out and shape up the book to get it uh, in ship shape before we get it published um, with my wonderful co-author, Carla Johnson, there, and really just focus on having some nice times and holiday and all that kind of stuff as well. So I'm, I'm looking forward to being off the road for a bit, yes. Excellent. Well, safe travels back home, my friend. Congratulations on the book again, and I'm looking forward to seeing you in San Francisco yeah. in a couple of weeks. Absolutely. All right, folks, that's it for Joe Polizzi. This is Robert Rose signing off. And, you know, tweet us up like Nanad did. Hashtag this old marketing. Or, you know, send us an email. That's, you know, remember email? That's uh, that old, old channel. This old marketing at contentinstitute.com. And if you like this episode number 53, do consider subscribing via iTunes or Stitcher. We're lovely, lovely people. We, you know, this was the love episode, if you didn't realize. All the links to the love episode will be available at thisoldmarketing.com. Be sure to tune in all next week. We're going to have another fantastic show. Remember, folks, it's your episode or your story to tell. Tell it well. See you next week on This Old Marketing. 